How you feeling, Capcom? Even on day three? Even on day three, there's enough energy That's left good. to go woo. Uh, can you hear us okay? Right on, right on. So um, in just a few minutes, we're going to do a podcast. Um, it's a podcast we do called Love in Brief. Have you ever heard it before? Cool. I'm glad to hear that or else this is going to be a real weird next hour and a half. Um, here's the real important part is our theme is about three seconds long. <laughs> And I want to do it together, mostly because I don't have a way to play it through this mic. So, all right, so you ready to do it? It goes like this. Bump, bump, bump. Thank you. That was really good. Welcome to Love in Brief, an ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. Love for yourself, love for others, love for your community, love for your friends. It is 6,100 milliliter capacity of love with extra tall leg guards for a standing position. I am one of your hosts, Resonant Yes. And I am your other one, Road Not Taken. And we are here with an esteemed panel of guests. If you've ever listened to the show before, you'll probably recognize some of these names and voices. These are friends who have joined us on the show before. Yeah, and we're doing it live from Capcom 2019. Can I hear from our Capcom friends? Yeah. yeah. It has been an amazing Capcom. Can we all agree on that? From the rave to the pageant to the amazing vendor spaces and play spaces, we've seen hundreds of people working around the clock to make sure we have a good time. So first, just a huge thanks to Capcom, our AV team, the organizers, the schedulers, everybody. There's a reason why it keeps growing year after year, and it's all that hard work. Um, so we're going to have an interactive show. I'm going to introduce our panel, and then we want to hear from you. And I'm actually giving away a prize, because we always need somebody to break the ice, right? So I'm going to give away a prize to the first person to come up and ask an advice question. Our friends at uh, Carousel Diapers have uh, donated a bag of diapers of Carousel, size medium, to us. So if you start thinking about your questions, because that first person to break the ice walks away with a bag of Carousels. In the meantime, yeah, I know. If I could ask a question, I would. I know. Um, let me introduce our panel, and we'll start just here to my right with Mutineer and Consecrated Bell. You may have heard them before. One of the reasons we invited them on the podcast, because it's a podcast about love, is because they have an amazing love story about romantic love, second love, and love for each other. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. Then right to their right, you may know Incondiel, Incondiel dude. Which do you prefer? Incondiel. And you uh, may have heard him, we actually did an episode about incontinence, and it uh, is one of our most listened to episodes. And one of the things that we admire about Incon is that he does an amazing job loving himself. So what he does beautifully is remind himself and us that you are okay just as you are. In fact, you're already awesome. And he's actually gone out of his way to remind me of that when I get nervous for things like this podcast. So welcome to Incon. Thank you. You are very welcome. And to Incon's right, we have Stony Little Fox and Little Babe Cakes. And their love is multifaceted as well. So we invited them on because we love them, because they love us, and because they love each other as friends and as so much more. Yeah? Y yep. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I want you to come on the podcast as friends. And they were like, But it's more than that. And more. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, oh, you know what? It's just gal pals. And he was like, yeah, we could talk about friendship love. And I was like, no. No, yeah. not just friendship love. It goes a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> So welcome everybody, um, and we are ready for your questions. So is there anybody who wants 
to break the ice with us with an advice question. Yay, yeah, come on. Come on. Thank you. Share as much as you like about your name or none at all, and we'd love to hear your question. Uh, my name is Mark. Um, my question is uh, regarding the type of uh, the binge purge cycle, kind yeah. of. I've never actually gone through it myself, but how can I help others work through that? Uh, the guilt of the, or the, you know, the, how else can I put it? The guilt, the dirtiness, the mm -hmm. I shouldn't like this type. How yeah. can I help others through that? That's a great question. Yeah, thank you. And I have a bag of diapers for you. Let's talk afterwards. Thank you. Uh, Mark, thank you for that question. So are anybody else familiar with the binge purge cycle or the shame cycle? Yeah, we've been through it. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Y'all know this experience? Mm -hmm. how, how did you get over it? Or do, or, or do you? So I've never, um, personally, I'm kind of like you, Mark, I haven't uh, gone through it myself, but what we found really helpful was when a friend of ours was going through a binge purge cycle this week, we kind of incorporated all of her stuff into our stuff and just kept it for her because it was sort of a showing of we know that at some point you will be able to come around and re-accept this mm. part of yourself sort of like a, we're not done with you, don't, mm. don't go away, like feeling. That yeah kept all of her stuff for her yeah it's it, that so she didn't have to get rid of it yeah Just she was able aside. to purge in uh, in a way that wasn't so i guess devastating to her pocket and yeah that's really good how about y'all how have you dealt with the the shame cycle or the binge purge cycle whoever wants yeah go for it so i think the first time that like i originally had made a tumblr and like stopped deleting it was i moved <laughs> i had a friend a long-term friend who i moved in with who turned out also to be an ABDL. Um, Wait, and what? <laughs> it was nuts. We had been best friends for years and had no clue. But it is contagious. Yeah. I knew um, it. But, but being with someone in person was really what made the change for me to where I'm like, it made it real and normal and just, I don't know, something I could accept. So if anyone is really struggling with the binge purge cycle, my honest advice, and I'm not a sponsor or anything, would be to go to Capcom. Mm. Go to any event, like even just a local event. Yeah. Like, that's what changed things for me, too. I definitely went through binge purge for years. Yeah. I finally went to TeddyCon. Yeah. And that was awesome. So, it was going to an event, small event. Yes. Working way up to a big event. Yes. And that was what ended the cycle for you. Yes. Amazing. And I think it's also really important to note that it's going to happen. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like anything in life. If you feel like you need to step away from it, that's okay. Yeah. It's always okay. Just don't write a part of yourself off because you're taking a step back from that side of yourself. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I did, um, mine was just more of the binge purge with um, the baby stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would buy onesies or something and then regret it immediately after buying, wear it once or twice and then throw it away and then I'd be like, oh, well, crap, I just wasted 30, 40, 50 bucks on a onesie that I threw away. Um, but eventually it got to the point where I just kind of, like you guys did, I put it away, like just somewhere where it was completely out and not, not in my thoughts. And then when I had those feelings, I could pull it back out and then do it that way. Mm. Um, so that kind of helped it. You're not, you're not really getting rid of anything, and you could still technically call it a binge purge cycle. But, you know, I wasn't wasting money anymore, which mm -hmm. seems like the biggest thing when people do the binge and purge. Right, right. Yeah, I know for me, the, the harder I purge, the more I binge the next time. 
So it's a, I, I tend to think of it like an oscillating wave or like if you're oversteering on the road, that if you can just maybe not, maybe not steer as, as far out, then you don't need to steer as far back. So when I would have a binge and purge moment, instead of getting rid of everything or putting it away, I would say, not today, just, just not today. I'm just not going to do that today. And then I didn't feel the need to binge as hard the next time, right? And it kind of corrected me a little bit. Good. Anything else? All right. One question down. Way to go, everybody. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for that question. How about uh, anybody else want to come up? Please, come on up. For you guys. Sure. And nice and close to the mic, please. Okay. My question is, how do you differ between ABDL and then adding another fetish into that, such as vampirism or gothism? Hmm. How do you go about that? That's a really good question, too. Yeah. Thank you for that. Any experience that you all want to speak to? Yes. All right, you guys speak. You want to speak to Little Babe Cakes is all fired up about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert on anything, certainly not vampirism. Um, but I will say it's, I mean, and this is part of accepting yourself as an ABDL in general, the idea that you, all your parts don't, like, have to fit together nicely. There's always ways to make them work. Like, uh, I think... Like, for instance, vampirism has the, like, you're stuck at one age, which fits nicely in with age play. But um, even if it doesn't, it doesn't fit into an aesthetic and it doesn't fit together the way that you think it should, like, that's no big deal. So the same way that I can be a grown adult in, like, a competitive profession and also love to wear a diaper and a onesie. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super into MedFet. And I incorporate that together. Yeah, MedFet, woo! <laughs> yeah, so it's so fun mixed with age play. Like, it's amazing how well it goes together. And, like, you can totally do it any with anything, I feel like. Yeah. It's just so easy. You figure out how to, whoa, sorry. How did you figure out how to blend that how in? Blend like, because you, you say they go together, but how? How? How do you navigate putting them together, MedFet? Put me on the spot, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I guess just finding the right partner who knows you very well and knows what you are wanting and being open about that and like, hey, this is what I'm into, this is what's in my head and like just talking about it with someone else yeah. and then like trying it and it's like, wow, this is really hot, like it works. Yep. Well, and I feel like, especially with MedFet, the overlap with any fetish like that is control. So if you like to have control taken away from you, age play, or I don't know if anyone's ever been at the doctor before, but it's, a, it's kind of a similar experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you can like kind of boil it down to the like basically dom-sub aspect of BDSM, then like a lot of things fit together really easy. Yes. That's great. So kind of looking at the power control side, everything at some point runs through that. Yeah. Right. That there is some crossover of power and control somewhere. Awesome. I only have one fetish, so I can't speak to it. <laughs> but boy, is it a hell of a fetish. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, anybody else? Floor is open. How, how do I introduce myself to my peers that I see online and really my role models in this community who maybe never heard of me? Now, I'm speaking... I'm speaking it for myself, of course. Yes, yes, yes. So this is a good one, and one we've tackled in small ways on the podcast before, but how do you introduce yourself? So, so you all have ways that you show up online, mm -hmm. and you also try and meet other people online. How do you do this in a way that feels effective? Get yourself on a podcast. Oh, get on a podcast, yeah. yeah. Um, seems to work good for us. But, is it on? Uh, is I it think on? For us, I think it's important to, to message people and not, uh, I mean, I try to, we try to both help a lot of people hook up with other people, 
That's one of the things that's kind of gotten us really popular is we, on my header on Tumblr, it says, if you're looking for a little or vice versa, we're happy to see what we can do to help. Because with us, we both had partners that were outside of this and we met through this. And I'm telling you, it's the best thing ever. If you, once you find that, it's amazing. It's, it's just magical. Hmm. Well, and I think if you're talking in terms of just meeting people like in person that you've talked to online or whatever it might be, um, oh gosh. No, you're doing it. Then, um, I mean, I found, so this is our first CapCon here. We've been on Tumblr for a while. We've been together for a while, but we haven't really been brave enough to come out and do anything like this. And I found that just by sending a few quick like Tumblr or like FET messages to people we'd interacted with, people were way more receptive and welcoming than what we ever thought possible. I mean, we've never met anybody face-to-face -face until this, this weekend. And um, just by sending a couple messages saying, hey, you know, we'd kind of like to meet you and shake your hand, you know, we've interacted with you. People are very warm and fuzzy. And then people um, like, you know, RNT and Ryan, you know, were really great and said like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll introduce you to other people. And then we met all of the people in this community that we've just been dying to meet yeah. and so you know you make one friend and they help you meet other friends and everybody is a lot warmer than you'd think I mean we were terrified so when they're like we'll introduce you I'm like oh fangirl you know yeah. but you don't think of that right you think oh that's really intimidating I don't know but it, people are way warmer than you think mm. so I think the biggest thing for interacting with others and whatnot is definitely treating your online relationships as you would in person. So like if you were to go to a bar and meet someone, you wouldn't be like, hey, do you wear wet diapers? Like, no, you wouldn't. You'd be like, hi, my name is so-and-so. But I feel like a lot of people online just forget that. And it's really important to treat your relationships the same. So then when you do meet someone in person, it's not awkward. Sort of the cocktail party rule, where if you wouldn't say it to somebody at a, at a party with a drink in your hand, uh, when you first meet them, you probably wouldn't say it. You maybe consider not saying it online to somebody when you're just meeting them. Is that a nice way of saying that? Okay. No judges. I'm just saying, if if you wouldn't walk up to somebody at a party you've never met before and be like, "Hey," some judges. Yeah. Hey, are you messy right now? Then you probably wouldn't want to do it online. But every person that we meet has an, a a really rich life story, right? Like every person in this room, every person at this con. And every person online has so much about them that is not this one thing that there's probably a lot of interesting ways to talk that you might talk at any, any social event before you get into the business of diapers. Yeah? Agreed. Other thoughts? Sweet. Got it. All right. Thank you for that. Open mic. What you want? Otherwise, I'm going to start asking questions. And Hi. Hello. Hi. So I'm Blue Pandora, and I have a question for you guys, for each one of you, actually. So... Maybe you have this moment, but I think everybody has a moment in which you all seem very confident about your kinks. What was your moment in which you realized, like, oh, I feel good about this. I feel confident about this. What oh, was that moment? Man. I love this question. Thank you, Blue Pandora. I love this question. Go for it. Okay. So, again, I think that, like, aha moment was getting, like, putting myself out there and actually meeting other people in the community. So even if it's just like a munch or something, like getting out there and seeing other people who are also into the same weird fetish that you are, and you're like, wow, I'm not alone. It's great. Like, so that was huge for accepting myself. 
Okay, honestly, I dove into it pretty quick. I was like through my first case of DCMORs before I was like, this is a pretty weird sex thing, huh? <laughs> I, I, I just kind of dove in head first, man. And by the, I don't know, by the time I had stopped and think, like thought about the fact that it was a kink and not just like this thing that I love that is hot, um, I had done a lot of the self-acceptance work already, so I don't really have a good answer for this. All right. Maybe it's just a practice makes perfect type of thing. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, mine was mostly just getting involved with the community. Um, you know, for years, you kind of just do research on your own, but you don't actually talk to anybody. You don't actually see, you know, other people doing this kind of stuff. So you think, I am really, really weird. Um, and because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff out, um, you just think nobody else is into this. But as soon as I got into like the Tumblr scene and then Instagram, uh, you see that there are so many people out there that have this same, you know, kink or whatever. And just being here at Capcom, it really solidifies that, you know, people from every walk of life is here, but all of us are the same. You know, it was, it was super nice to see that, you know, whether you have a lot of money or no money, well, you know, whether you're... Uh, into one kink or another, everyone here is accepting of the other. So seeing it, people, other people accept us kind of helped me accept myself. Um, and it was nice to meet people like RY and RNT and Stoney um, where, you know, we had never met until this weekend. And so it was like we were best friends meeting, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, there was not even a skipped beat. It was just like, hey, give me a hug. So, I mean, that kind of acceptance made me feel comfortable about myself. So, um, for me, we each have been married previously. So, in my first marriage, um, I was really, really curious about diapers and ABDL. And I started to kind of broach the topic with my ex-husband, and I wore one diaper one time. And he was not having it. It was not his thing. He looked totally disgusted and repulsed. I loved it. The moment it went on, I'm like, this is my thing. I love this. It's magical. So eventually, of course, we divorced for a variety of reasons. And um, when I was on my own, I was like, well, I'm alone now. I can do what I want. I can be what I want. And so I eventually made my own Tumblr and started kind of getting involved in the community. And um, I was wearing all the time. And it's, you know, I didn't care if I was alone. And I eventually you know met him that way but um for me it was like when that diaper went on i was like oh my god this is my kink this is it i have found where i belong this is it and it was just literally like that very moment that it was taped up i'm like oh i am just this is this is where i belong this is it and so um i just kind of knew right then and so i've been confident in it ever since just because i knew that like it feels right yeah yeah Okay, for me, uh, being one of the older people and, you know, going back to the days of AOL, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is just, yeah, I mean, it is crazy. We were talking about uh, with a couple of our friends the other day, and uh, it's just so much different now, and it's amazing now. I mean, we were talking the other night about a picture would download, and it would just be so slow. You'd be waiting and waiting and waiting for one picture. And uh, and then you'd have the chat rooms, you know, and and uh, to see it come from there to here, and then my my confidence in it just grew out of frustration and patience and and time, because when the time, you know, over so long, you finally just you're like, forget it. It's it's what I want to do, you know. And so I think uh, for me, whenever I started exploring, I was exploring one on one with a partner, and uh, I was not feeling very confident about it. It was 
I like everything I did that was little, I would then cry and freak out and like completely reject it. Um, so it was whenever I finally found the online community on, on FL and um, people started to comment on pictures and talk and become friendly that I started to feel confident about it for the first time. I, I didn't really understand it was okay in a one-on-one -on -one context. But whenever everybody was like, oh, we've got jobs, we're normal people, we think you're cool and it's fine, I, that, that was when I really started to feel pretty good about my kink. So my answer is, um, I, I remember the first time, um, and it was when I met up with another person for the first time. Um, and I will say that was hardly the last time because I fall back into periods of feeling not confident. And... There are days where, and I don't know if y'all experience this, but there are days where even after all these years that I still go, oh God, is this okay? Or I look strange like this or whatever. And on those days, um, I, I have to rediscover the community, the connection, the familiarity and reach out. I live with two other ABDLs. Like this is about as familiar as it gets. And um, even, on, even with that, there are days where I where I go, I don't know if I'm okay. Um, and, and on those days, I come back to them and to the community and, and basically say, hey, can you remind me that I'm okay? And the community says, you're okay, just like you are. So thank you, community. That's what I'm saying. And, and honestly, yeah, you can clap for that. Like, how, how good are we to each other and how affirming are we to each other when we're at our best? And... Um, I, I wish, if you, if you are still in a place where you've never had that experience, I hope this weekend is that for you. I hope this is the weekend that you go home and you put your head on your pillow and you go, I, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. All right. Uh, anybody else? Come on up. Hi. Hi. Baby shark. <laughs> I'm a narwhal. A baby um, narwhal. But I've been thinking of my question for a couple of weeks now. My name is Elle. Uh, I've gone through a couple of different variations of it. Uh, the one that I've landed on, though, um, I'm curious about how you foster love for others mm. when they have something that you are very jealous about. Oh. Is, do, you, do you want to allow... This is a wonderful question. Is there any more you want to say about jealousy? <laughs> um... And it's okay if not, if you don't want to share No, this. it's fine. Uh, I listened to your podcasts at night, uh, and I realized after I had started listening to them that I was so angry at you both, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is ridiculous because you're two people who I don't know, yeah. uh, but you had something that I wanted, and mm. I've wanted for a really long time and yeah. haven't been able to find. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I stepped back and spoke to somebody else about it yeah. that I identified it as being jealousy. Oh. It was like I was staring into the sun and it was too bright. Mm. Um, that I, I just I wanted to take it all in, but I, I couldn't mm. um, because that's not where my journey is mm -hmm. uh, right now. Mm -hmm. But I think you guys are wonderful and I love the knowledge that you share and the relationship that you've built together is beautiful. Um, but, but it's hard yeah. to hear that when it seems like it's all put together. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that mix of emotions, you know. Yeah. It's, thank you. You're welcome. Can I just pause and just say thank you, Elle, yeah. for sharing that with me? Yes. Also, when it's okay, can I also give you a hug? Sure. Okay. Um, so thank you for bringing us that. 
I'm going to hug you first, and then I want to give you an answer. Okay. okay. Yes, thank you all for your question. That was really brave, That's and really we brave. appreciate it. Um, so I think it's the first time I've ever thought about this question, and I love it. Um, I have also experienced jealousy um, and anger that comes with it, and I still do. Um, I can say, and we were just talking about this yesterday, mm-hmm. so much like this experience here will be edited for the podcast, all of the bizarre mic sounds and the things that when I forget people's name and um, our life online is edited too. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's, that's not to say that um, it's not genuine, but it is, it is one look at genuine. Um, we talked for an hour and a half at least to get a 15 minute podcast or a 20 minute podcast. Um, we, were, we were talking really deeply yesterday with a group of friends about how horrible we are when we argue and how like right. we're just super messy as people and you know yep. everybody is and yep. the parts that we bring are tailor made just like they have Instagram filters we have plenty of filters on the yeah on the computer to make our podcast sound fantastic and it's just not a whole part picture so um your experience makes sense to me because I, I have it too. And just so you know, the person and the people that you hear, you don't see all the, the messy stuff. Um, we fight like dogs and we're really bad to each other sometimes. We are sometimes. And we have, um, and this is just our relationship. I'm sure it's true for others as well. But like we, we, we have like, what was the, our, our monsters don't play well together? Is that what you said? Yeah, our demons don't play our well Our demons together. don't play you well together. They say find someone with whom your demons play well together. Well, ours don't, but right. we still love each other. So we go from zero to nuclear in about five minutes if they happen to hit the triggers, right? It just ladders up. All that to say, I love our marriage and I love our relationship. And the people that I admire and sometimes the people that I feel jealous and angry at, I don't get to see that part of their relationship. Those sort of relationship goals, folks, I don't get to see any of that. Um, and so I guess I'm sharing vulnerably with you that um, because you were so vulnerable with us that uh, we don't have it all figured out and we are s- not perfect and sometimes we are just awful <laughs> to each other um, in ways that y- y'all would be like, damn. <laughs> true. <laughs> that guy's kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> she's like, yeah, true. <laughs> I'm also um, kind of a jerk. So anyway, this, this is, I, I think is a broad story for me of uh, what you see online on FetLife, on Tumblr, on Instagram, none of that from anybody is the whole picture. And we, I think we do ourselves a great service by getting our content out, and we do ourselves a disservice by imagining that this is the whole story because all of us are broken and vulnerable and hurting, and we hurt others, and it gets ugly. Yeah. And none of us get here unscathed. None of us. Yeah. And so to pretend like there's even one of us that's just super squeaky clean is just, it's not real. Yeah. We're all kind of messed up in the best ways. Yeah. Anybody else want to speak to that? Please. Uh, oh, there we go. Uh, so coming from someone in this community who is single after being divorced over uh, these issues, um, you know, it. I have had that exact same feeling um, when I'm sitting home alone or, you know, just laying there in bed thinking about like, oh, wow, that'd be really, really nice to, you know, have someone to share this with. And uh, 
I have never had that, so I don't know what it would be like. Um, but when I, you know, meet people that are in that situation, like they were saying, you can tell that things aren't always rainbows and unicorns, but everyone online sees it as rainbows and unicorns. Um, so for me, I just have to kind of think, you know, every, everyone poops, right? It's like the books, everyone does poop. So even people say, oh, I would never do that. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, so for me, I just try to put myself in their shoes to say, yeah, it's good, but it can also be bad. And so it's in the exact same spot that I am. So that's, uh, that's my answer. Thank you. Thank you. Now, y'all have both been married before. You're married to each other now. I wonder if you could speak to this. Yeah, so I would say in addition to it not being perfect and nothing like what you see, I mean, we also have some pretty good brawls. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have, may or may not, I'm not incriminating myself, but I may or may not have thrown a Diet Pepsi can at his head at one point. It was great, and it splattered all over the wall. That was probably At least a, you missed his head, that's good. Right, right. I admit nothing, but it might have happened. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, one thing that I would add is anybody that you see in a relationship has at some point felt exactly what you just described. Mm -hmm. um, being through a messy divorce, we, we have kids, we have a family, um, and sitting there thinking, am I ever going to find that with somebody who will accept me, right? Because these two over here, they're the dream. You guys were the dream. Even back when I was newly single from my divorce, I felt exactly <laughs> what you were feeling. And um, I think that's normal. I think it's okay to feel that way. And I think that with time, you'll find your dream. You'll find somebody who, and it won't be anything like what you see on Tumblr or FetLife or what you're posting, because our life sure isn't anything like what we post. I mean, that's, you know, the 30 minutes a night maybe we get in our bedroom alone, but you will find yours. You will find your, um, your person or your happy or whatever that is. And you know this thing that you're feeling right now, that jealousy, is because you're aching for that. But you will find it. You will eventually find it. As long as you stay true to yourself, your kink, um, you put your happiness first, you will find happiness with somebody else. And you will have that um, at some point. And it's hard right now. It's really hard, and it's painful, and it hurts. But you will find it. You will. And then one day you'll be like, ha-ha, I made it. I don't have to be <laughs> jealous anymore. I made it. You'll, you'll still have bumps in the road because it's not perfect, like, you know, like they've said. But you, you will find yours, too. And last night we were talking, actually, at the very end of the night, um, myself and a group of a couple of other girls, about how when you look on Instagram, you imagine that everyone is so tiny and so perfect and that I like I fully expected and I was like in tears on the way up here like that everybody here was going to be like five feet tall 95 pounds perfect in all of the gear and I was going to show up looking like an ogre and I was so scared and I think everybody just feels that like they feel like oh my god why is everybody else so perfect and there I am being like a human being and I'm all messed up and then you show up and you realize oh there's just everybody is is the same like everybody is feeling it and everybody is just a, a person and, and it's not a bunch of Instagram pictures walking around which is exactly what I was afraid of yeah. and everybody gets that fear it's real it was real bad but that's how I know. And I'm so glad everybody's not 95 pounds and five feet tall and perfect that would be a pretty boring con don't you think all shapes and sizes makes it all nice I think it's perfect just like it is my two cents so thank you. Right? Yeah? Okay. 
I'm, I'm cool with clap bait. I'll say, I'll do, I'll say clap bait things. That's fine. <laughs> Please. Um, so I am a rock cotton on FET, and I wanted to talk a little bit about empowerment for a second. Yeah. Um, so my greatest fear happened here at this con, which is to see someone in the vanilla world who I know at the con. Mm. Oh, golly. But they were security. They were not a con goer. Mm. And I, for the first day, was trying to evade this guy. And he's a great security guard, and I knew he would eventually find me. <laughs> so I decided on the second day to just walk up to him in my little schoolgirl outfit in diapers mm-hmm. and be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Hi, are you enjoying the event? He's like, yeah, this is great. I've seen it all. He's like, good to see you. Yeah. And it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. Um, oh, but great. that was my greatest fear, and I spent my, my first day in fear evading this guy, and I wasted a day based on fear, and this is all about letting go of your fear. Mm-hmm. So I would say to those who might be afraid of that happening, own it. Um, instead of them finding you, you go out and find them mm-hmm. and say hello. Oh, that's Thank wonderful. you for that. that I'm is so empowering. glad it worked out like yeah. that. Thank you. That's awesome. Also, I love the name Rock Cotton. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good. Who else? Please, come on. Oh. I know, I know you. Uh, hi, I'm Alter Pampers. Um, I apologize for the long preamble. This will test your editing skills. <laughs> <laughs> but you said uh, a couple of questions back um, that we've got each other's backs. Uh, and I believe that every year this community gets better and better at supporting its own. That part we've got covered, and I continue to see that getting better and better. But the question is, um, what should we and what should we as a community do for others, for the outside world, for the vanilla world, Mm. if anything? Mm. Um, I know a lot of us have the opinion that this should be kept separate and nobody should know about us and, and all this. But I do know that a lot of maligned groups have success by doing good things for the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to equate us to the Hell's Angels, but I know when they rolled through Raleigh, North Carolina, doing the the Toys for Tots drive, you know, yeah. they, they got kudos. Yeah. So uh, I'm just curious if any of the panel thinks we should get involved in the wider community and put on a, a good face to kind of counter some of the stigma that's out there and just and just do good things. And if so, if that's okay to do, what are some ideas for doing that? I have never been asked this either. This is so good. Thank you, Ultra Pampers. What do you think? How do we give back? Do we give back? I think that's a uh, the hard question because there is such a stigma over what we do, what we enjoy, wearing diapers, acting like a baby, you know, whatever you enjoy. Um, I think it would be hard to just one day come out and be like, hey, this is what we do. Like, let's be, let's do huge philanthropy, you know, projects and, uh, I don't know if the world is ready for it to come out as a whole. You know, the Hells Angels, they were very proud that to be a biker gang and, you know, or motorcycle club, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I am very proud of being in the ABDL community. Um, but seeing how people react to it, I don't know if they are ready for us to just get out there in our diaper and be like, let's do this. <laughs> so I, I, I think eventually we probably can, but... I think it's going to take a lot of work kind of repairing what the media has done to us 
um, you know, making, not always putting us in a positive light. So I think that, I think the media and stuff has worked against us. Yeah. For me, I think that the best thing that we can do is people who are um, just by virtue of like being here um, and working here, who are exposed to our kink, whether or not they anticipated that being part of their, you know, week, is that we really, really do a good job of presenting ourselves as kind, open, understanding people who have good, like, a sense of the world around us, like, who are kind to them and respectful of them and that hopefully they will see us as a good group of people and then tell, if ever it comes up in conversation, tell those who they're in contact with that we're actually not creepy and awful and we're good people and that maybe the word would spread in a very small way not to be afraid or creeped out by people who are into this and that we're not all, you know, scary and creepy. Mm. And it sounds like we have to return to sort of a waterline of acceptance first, you're saying, before we can externalize as a group. Okay. Yeah, this is tough. This is really tough. And then, uh, then we'll get to that question. This is really tough. Um, for me, I, I also have a fear of like, what would it be like for us as a group to say, hey, look, this is a contingency of ABDL folks trying to do this thing for you. Um, but I like to imagine a future where that's possible. That feels really good to me. To, to imagine a, a place where, even if you were anonymous uh, or whatever, but they knew that, that, that we were doing that, that's great. For me, it's, uh, I can tell you that my own personal work um, in my communities has benefited incredibly from my, my time in this community. So I, I carry uh, the messages of inclusion, empathy, representation, um, being flexible to other people's experiences. I, I carry that very purposefully into the rest of my life and it wouldn't be there without this community. But the idea of, a, of an actual mobilization, I think is an inspiring picture for the future. It's hard to imagine, but I think it's inspiring. And for those who are fighting inside of the community to, to, to make that happen or to see that dream realized, thank you. And I look forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah. Um, good, sorry, you had a question. Hi, my name is Green Knees. Uh, Hi, Green Knees. Uh, thank you for being here. Actually, I wanted to follow up uh, with Rock Cotton's question. Yeah. And it has to do with fear uh, internally as well as, uh, as well as externally of being out or exposed. Um, you know, I certainly lived with this for decades and decades within myself before I could either, even talk to another person. Mm. Um, and what, the biggest issue there was just the fear of what would people think uh, in, in my family um, uh, internally. And then I also had great fear of exposure to the greater public outside of who, who I am. You know, here's Greenies, you know, he likes to wear diapers. Mm -hmm. Uh, why is he doing that? Um, and you know, ruining professionals and uh, careers and things of that sort. I get my my question. I'm not I'm not looking for horror stories. I'm looking for the more positive side of that mm -hmm. about what people have done for themselves to to reduce that that fear within themselves and also positive stories of 
when they when they were exposed to people outside the community of, of how they deal with that uh, with, yeah. with those people either to keep it from spreading or even if they, if it, it gets to be big yeah. uh, so, so thank fear, you so much yeah thank you green so fear of exposure and how did you stop it if you did get exposed is, um, that's the question. Oh, what and, are positive? And, yeah, dealing with it internally as well as externally. Okay. In a positive way. Awesome. Thank you. This is one we might need community advice on, too. I would love for your thoughts. I would love your thoughts. So it's going to start with a horror story, but it's going to end better. I promise. <laughs> um, so I have a um, pretty decent job at a Fortune 500 company. Um, I'm pretty, pretty at a, a decent, prominent position there. Um, I left my hometown where the headquarters is and I relocated when I moved in with uh, Mutineer. And so I travel back to my headquarters on occasion. And I had a friend who was a single mom and she really needed a job. And my former boss was looking for a contract employee on a temporary basis and I recommended her for the position. She'd been in my home, she'd seen a couple of dipes. She kind of had caught on, she house sat for us when we traveled, watched my dog. So she kind of knew what was going on. I traveled back to my headquarters for work for a week. And a woman comes up to me and says, you need to stay far away from her. And I said, why? And she said, well, it's our understanding you wear diapers and you think it's kinky and you're dating somebody older than you who is into it. And for all we know, he's probably, you know, um, like abusing your children and all this crazy, crazy stuff. Right. And I'm standing there mortified. Mm. How do you cope with that? All of a sudden you're standing in your office, you're wearing professional attire, you're back for a week. I was in the middle of negotiations that week. And so that threw me off my game. I'm like, this is like my worst nightmare come true. How could she ever do this? I got her a job. We took care of her. And so literally he was like, well, you know, you need to talk to HR. So I did. I coped at work by talking to HR and saying, you know, no. And I played it more as medical. Like it's more of a need, right? And when I did that, it turned out they don't really care. They don't give a crap as long as I'm doing my job and I'm doing it well and I'm making them money. They do not care. Um, HR basically said, this is not our business. We don't want to know whether this is a kink or whether this is medical. We don't want to know any of this. We just want to shut it down. So they literally offered to walk her out that day. I had two options. I could let her be walked out that day, or her contract ended in two weeks. I could let her finish her two weeks. And I decided to be the bigger person. And I said, let her finish her two weeks, and then I don't ever want to hear from her again kind of thing. And the woman asked me again later what I had opted to do, and I said, I let her stay. And so the woman said, so can I just ask? And I looked at her straight in the face, and I said, it's absolutely true. I love it. And thank God she just laughed and said, okay, you know, live and let live. And I learned from that that people really don't care. As long as you're a good person, people really don't care. I'm sure they walk away kind of murmuring like, that's a little strange. We're not, I mean, that's, that's really bizarre, you know. But what I learned from that is if I treat you fairly and I'm kind to you and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do well, and I'm treating you as an equal and I'm treating you with respect, well, that's better than probably half the people in that office who don't wear diapers. Mm -hmm. So I learned from that that people are a little more forgiving and probably don't care as much as we think they do. Yeah, I'm curious, for, for those of us who are here, 
have we had others who have been outed and had people respond positively? Yeah. Oh, great. That's great. Okay. I, I'm glad to hear that. How about others? How do you deal with the fear? I just take a lot of precautions. Sometimes I'm even more on the more cautious side than her. She's, you know, I just seem to, you know, even even going to like a local munch. We, we were discussing that the other day. And I grew up there, so there's a lot of different people. I've, I've worked with a lot of people in the gay community, so I feel like sometimes they're super out and super almost want to make sure everyone else is out, some of those people that I've worked with. And then when there's that crossover, if that seemed to happen, and, and I always worry about the people that may or may not be as invested in the community. The people that are invested, and one of the reasons that I felt more comfortable to come to Capcom was because I felt like the people here made a huge investment to be here, and they're sort of more credible than maybe a local munch where someone that's half invested in the community half just in, getting dragged out. by a friend, they yeah. didn't have to make a seven-month commitment to, yeah. you know, reserve to be here. Yeah. And so that's kind of my take on it. And, and I, I may work towards getting over that too, but, you know, yeah. for me right now, that's kind of where I've been at. So I can't speak to um, being outed but I can speak to the fear of it. Um, I've feared it for, I guess, as long as all of you guys have feared it. Uh, as long as I've had the kink, I've been afraid of somebody finding out. And as I get older, uh, I sort of find that it's got something in common with um, just general anxiety, which is as much as I think people are paying attention to everything that I do and everything I say and everything I, I, I may you know, even be thinking, like, I, I feel like people can just tell, and I'm, I'm constantly aware and afraid, um, that even if someone does find out, or even if I do make a mistake, or even if somebody does find out that I wear diapers, they are much more invested in their own story and their own life and everything they've got going on, and maybe they'll talk about it for a couple of days, but it's not going to really become their thing. They're not going to become about outing me or become about my kink, and that's my hope anyway. That's my hope. Of how it would go. I've had some. I've I've had some experiences where I had to make a decision whether or not to come forward to to friends and people in my life. And one of the thoughts that I've had that I found rather comforting is, if everybody knew, what would change for me? Um, and so I've tested the boundaries a little bit with some friends, and you know, actually shared it with them because I wanted to go deeper in relationship, and we had hit a point where I didn't feel like. I felt like I was hiding part of myself from people who I was so close with. And every person, every person I've shared it with in my life who is uh, Nilla, so to speak, um, has responded by pulling closer to me, not further away, and said, you're acceptable, you're lovable. I now feel like I know you better, which makes me love you more, etc." cetera. Um, my guess is if every, so I, when we started this podcast, I had a choice to make. I had worked in radio, there are people who know my voice in my community, and I had a choice. Am I, am I okay if this became a thing, if people, if it got out, could I make it through? And my answer was yes. Um, I think I would lose perhaps some credibility with a handful of people. I don't think I'd get fired. I hope most of you wouldn't get fired because God knows what else everybody else in your office is doing with their spare time. But I promise you're not the only weird person in there. Um, I hope that the people in your life that you want to stick around would stick around. And my evidence so far is, th is that they have. So I hope that for you too. I've yet to have a single person in my life reject me. And I hope you get that same experience. Um, 
What time are we done? Are we done at... Anybody remember? At two. We still got 30 minutes. Hot damn. We having fun? Yeah? All right. Come, yeah. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, if you need to stretch your legs or something. <laughs> Hi, I'm Neely. Um, Hi. My question is about, uh, well, you can let me know if you could feel this kind of question about sure. people who have chronological children. I don't know if any of you do. We or, do. Oh. Yep. Um, so, All of us, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I sort of had two questions, but um, one of them is more like about what we were just talking about with outing and uh, how, to, how to handle, you know, your children, your child finding out about yeah. a little bit of hints about this. And but, but, but my main question, what I was really more interested in is how it's about how people balance their lives, if it's particularly if it's very private from the child yeah. to balance that as, as well as being a good parent and, and being there. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. You said your name is Haley? Lily. Lily. Thank you, Lily. I You're appreciate welcome. it. So we all have a little bit on this one, don't we? We do. Anybody want to talk parenting? Sure. How do you handle hiding it? Do you hide it? How do you handle talking with your kids? Do you talk with your kids? Am I? Okay. And, and how do you balance? Uh, luckily, I mean, you can call it luckily or not, but I need them. So for me, if... The diaper is not the kids. Yeah. Or oh. both. You need Well, I need the yeah. kid now. Yeah. <laughs> he knows her now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now I'm invested. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mine is still a toddler, so it's it's easy to kind of explain away something. You know, if they found something babyish, I would just be like, oh, yeah, it's yours. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> We'd used to do that um, when she was little. <laughs> and I wouldn't really have to worry about it. You can um, totally get away with lying to your toddlers, by the way. Or your kids in general, even yeah. when they're older. Yeah, you can get that's, that's parenting 101 is uh, lie to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, as far as the diaper thing, you know, I try to keep all the A, B ones, like, hidden. Like, they are not just kind of out in the open. The rest of them I kind of just keep in my closet or in the dresser. Um, but they're white. You know, it's like they're medical. They don't, they're not really part of the community. Uh, so, for me, that's a whole lot easier about hiding that aspect. And, you know, if, if she asked about it, I wouldn't lie to her. Um, but I would not tell her everything. I want to be open with my child, but there are some things that need to be kept away from your child. Uh. I would say that for us, our rule has been, if, if we were Nilla's and we wouldn't share something with our daughter, we're not going to share it with her now. Like, I don't know what my parents did in the bedroom, and I don't think they know what their parents did in the bedroom. And so as much as we can keep her separate from that part of our life, and at the same time, I feel like it's given the accessing my playful side on a regular basis has given me more access to her and where she is. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not afraid to, you know, interact with her in a way that's playful and sweet and kind and in the way that she really wants to interact. But we do keep her very separate from, from our kink. Yep. Um, I think for us it's the same. So, you know, we agree. No kids in kink. Um, we have a four-year-old and an 11-year-old, so it's a little bit of a different dynamic in our house. Um, the four-year-old makes a great cover. So that's, you know, one big advantage. And if you think about having kids, they make a great cover for all that baby stuff you want to buy. <laughs> you should um, totally have so kids have just kids. for that reason. Yes. <laughs> she wants no. to keep having kids for yeah. <laughs> So it's true. We've talked about whether... So we each have one child from our previous marriage, right? So we're a blended family. Um, and in terms of balancing our lifestyle in a way that comes in very, very handy because on weekends like this, when we want a weekend away, the two of us, um, our children each have, um, you know, their other parent. 
and they're there. And it allows us this time alone, and whether that's traveling together for work or for fun or for kink, um, that comes in super handy. So I think, you know, the moral of the story is it's pretty difficult to balance both. But I think, you know, if you make it a priority, then you make time for it. You find time for it. Yeah, it's been it's been tricky for us too, because um, it, it's not as easy as saying, "Oh, when, when you're a parent, you'll just not care about the kink while your kid's awake." Like you will, and there have been many times that, like, you know, our daughter will wake up two or three times in the same night, and it's like, "Oh, okay, take off the outfit, change the clothes, go in there, deal with it, come back," um, and that can be really frustrating. And I wish I could say. Oh, you know, your love for your kid just means that your kink goes away. Uh, but it doesn't because it's part of who you are. And so we've had, we have like a tag team system at home where we know kind of who wants to be in what space and the other one's going to go take care of the kid. If They're the going to be paranoid on duty if she wakes up with a bad dream or something to that effect. And we decide, you know, when we're going to sleep, whose night is it, right? Who's on guard tonight? And if the other person needs to do something, that's fine. We're also really careful about lock and key. So we keep uh, all the kinky stuff behind. We happen to have a, a, a door that locks. Uh, so we keep it all in that closet. And if she ever found something, um, I think it would lead to what I hope is a lifetime of important discussions on how everybody is free to express themselves however they please. And at this age, talking about sexuality at nine may be a bit complex, um, but we certainly can talk about how when people grow up, they express themselves in lots of different ways. And as we begin a dialogue as a family about sexuality, we can talk about how sexuality expresses itself in different ways. So I actually consider our kink an asset to our parenting, uh, big time. Um, and specifically, the empathy with which I can engage her own navigation of the world, I think is much deeper. Uh, because when she comes to me and is having an experience that she f finds uncomfortable and weird and fearful and I think I'm weird, I can go, yeah, I get that, without a hint of judgment. Um, so that's kind of magic. Yeah. Does that help? Is that good? Okay. okay. All right, what else? What else? Bring them up. I'm Fuzzy Dunlop. Um, and I'm a, a local event organizer, and one of the reasons that I do that is because I didn't find Capcom and I didn't find acceptance um, for a really long time while I lived with this, and I now try to have empathy for others who um, maybe haven't found Narnia yet, you know, yeah. and haven't figured that out, and I'm, my question is, do you have tips or tricks or advice for how people either running events or just people who found this already and found the acceptance can help um, give love to those that haven't yet? Oh, that's, oh, that's great. That's such a sweet question. Thank you, Fuzzy. And thank you for being an event organizer. You and people like you are the entire reason that this is happening right now. Yeah. And the entire reason I got to feel a sense of community. So thank you. How do you run an event? How do you build community and how do you reach out to people who... You haven't found that community yet? Boy, am I not the right person to answer this question. I, I, only because, like, I, this is how I do it. <laughs> like, this podcast, this is all I know how to do. Does anyone out there have experience uh, reaching out to people who haven't found community yet? Please. Hello, my name is Gina Lavender. I control ABDL Nation on Facebook. Yep. i also been an event coordinator for over 27 years. I also worked on Comic-Con San Diego. And also with Merpalooza, and Merpalooza 2, and also Gasparilla down in Tampa mm -hmm. Bay, mm -hmm. where I'm from. Mm -hmm. 
So I bring a big dynamic to the events. Mm -hmm. And recently, I just got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. And we're, we're working behind the scenes for next year as well yeah. for Capcom 10. Yep. Which is the 10th anniversary of Capcom. Cool. So there's a lot going on that can't not be disclosed right now that is in planning stages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're creating a community, something like ABDL Nation or yep. Capcom, mm -hmm. um, anything that you can share with us about how to expand your reach, how to expand your efforts to help that person who hasn't yet found Narnia? Well, the thing is, in... in events such as this. Yeah. You're looking at a bigger dynamic, not just one dynamic. You have transgender dynamic, you mm -hmm. have PBDL dynamic, you yeah. have DL dynamic, you yeah. have daddy little girl and mommy little boy as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So you have more than one dynamic in one room. Yeah. So you have to kind of like separate them in down into their categories and then see which one plays well together. Yeah. And that's how you think. That's why the classes are so important here at Capcom, yep. because they give a teaching tool. And one of the foundings, of reasons that Capcom was created is a teaching tool. Yeah. And that's what implements into the communities. So I think what's going to end up happening now, this, and like you said, outreach is going to outreach beyond our borders. Yeah. Tina, thank you. Grows. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think what you're talking about with the Institute, with ABDL Nation, that you've got people who are contributing in Correct. ways that they are uniquely suited to contribute, right? Correct. You found a place that you said, this is something I can do. I can make an online community. I can create a research institute. Correct. Like, for us, it was, this is the only thing I know how to do. Mm -hmm. So we started a podcast. If you asked me to organize an event, there would be no food or water, and right. everybody would go home angry. Well, so, yeah, be the fire festival, exactly. But, yeah. But even to create an event like this, Mo has done a fabulous job, and oh, she incredible. deserves a ton of credit. Yeah. That little sister, that sister of mine has been fabulous. Love it. Thank so, you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for so that. Thank you so kindly for having me on here. Yeah, you thank bet. You. Um, so, in addition to. Um, Thank you, like said, making yourself available for questions. I think uh, one thing that we found very successful, we're not uh, big community organizers, I wouldn't say that we were that, but whenever we've met anybody who hasn't found resources yet, we always try and find someone who we think would be a great matchup for them, who has gotten into the community. So we'll have new friends and say, you know who you reminded us of? These friends. And yeah. then those friends can sort of be their ambassadors into community because they have something in common with them. And we may not be the perfect people for them, but we can maybe find the perfect people for them. Yeah. Yep. Good. Thank you. Other questions? Please. <clears throat> this is so fun. I was worried we'd have no question. Instead, we have all the questions. Asking questions, guys. We were nervous about that. <laughs> hey, guys. I am Plum or Fox on Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. Um, we know you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to ask the question that I sent you earlier. Yep. Um, so I have a question about self-acceptance or occasional feelings of shame. So I've been into this whole thing since I was about six years old, and I've gone through everything from being found out from parents, found out at work, just all of that stuff. Um, my confidence has soared a lot with this. My, I've learned to accept myself a lot, but I still get the occasional feelings of shame. Yeah. What do you guys do to combat those feelings? Yes, thank you. And I, I have this question right up in front of me, so thank you for <laughs> pushing it to the top of the line. That's the way to do that. Um, and do you say, you what do you prefer to be called? Plum. Thank you, Plum. So what do we do with shame, friends? What do we do when these feelings of shame come up, even as we're shameless building our friends. confidence? Uh, I eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get rid of it. Yeah, good answer. I do, too. That's, that's fun. Yeah, no. Uh, I think all of us will always have that kind of nagging feeling of shame. 
which it's unfortunate. We shouldn't have to be shameful about anything that we do. Um, but once you start to learn that you know what you like is normal, then it makes it a whole lot easier to just push those feelings away. Like you like start feeling shameful, and then you say, "Why do I?" F no, 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 no. I shouldn't feel shameful at all. This is what I enjoy doing. It makes me happy. It's not hurting anybody else. You know, it's not like you're a serial killer, and that's what you enjoy doing. You know, it's not. It's not doing anything to anybody except making you happy. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I just try to always remind myself that I am normal, I am beautiful, mm -hmm. I am good, um, and really just push those feelings of shame, you know, out. I mean, for for me, wearing this in front of people has been uh, extremely difficult. You know, it's something that I only did at home. Uh, this was my first event that I've ever been to. Uh, I liked it in your first event. We're, we're like, could you just wear a onesie in front of literally everybody? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. yeah I'm game. They're I'm like, game. hey, come on, come, come talk. Yeah, like, come okay, talk. sure. Okay. Uh, but just seeing the reaction and seeing how everyone else is dressed, I'm like, I'm literally normal. Like this, this is not weird at all. Yeah. Um, so very quickly after getting here, those feelings of shame went right out the window. Yeah. This one on. I think uh, over the over the long haul years, I always feel like I'm weighing in from the older person's perspective with it. But I, I just think over the years, it's okay to be uh, to put part of it away, you know, just to go focus on a different direction, you know, uh, go see your friends that aren't into this for a little bit, be okay with that, and then come back. And uh, I think that helps a lot. And then I think hanging out with people that accept you for who you are is huge. And when you can do that more often than not, in our in our regards, it's been with ex-partners. You know, and you're fighting for that. It's like, that's we could have the perfect relationship, only the one thing that, I think they can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing you don't have is that one element that you really wish you had. And sometimes that's impossible to attain, no matter how hard you try. And I'm a hard-headed guy. I mean, I literally tried everything possible in my last marriage because I'm not a quitter. I don't like to give that up. And I tried everything. And finally, she's the one who said, why don't you just go to the community and find someone there? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll take you up on that. Sure. <laughs> one thing I think to recognize is that shame is, is a feeling um, and feelings need to be seen. <clears throat> the, the job of a feeling or an emotion is to communicate its condition so that it can be met. Even if that feeling is not um, something that you want or something that you even think is valid, it's still there. And it's, its job, its function in your body is to communicate your condition. An emotion is just an external communication of that condition so that somebody else can meet it. A feeling is a con communication to yourself so that you can meet it. So sh shame happens. It sucks, but it's real. Um, and it's worth distinguishing between shame and, and fear and shame and guilt. So uh, uh, Dr. Lips Lipscomb talked about this, but guilt is feeling bad about something you did. Shame is feeling bad about something you are. It's character. Um, it's, it's debilitating. It's not helpful, but we all feel it sometimes. So recognizing that emotion, that feeling, and acknowledging it, um, I think, is the first step to, to dealing with it. It's, I see you. I see you, shame. We share our feelings of shame. Everybody's felt shame, so everybody yeah. can have some form of empathy. It may be not about the exact same thing, but I don't know a single person on earth who hasn't felt shame at some point. And sometimes when you share it, just the sharing of it helps lessen the burden on your heart. And they can say, I know what that feels like. And that's sometimes all you need is 
somebody to say, I know what that feels like. Is it, is it bad? Is it a character issue that I like to wear a diaper or that I like to put her in one? No, I don't think it's a character issue. Is it hurting anybody? No, I don't think it's hurting anybody. Does it make me happy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes me real happy. <laughs> well, let's see. At best, you know, I, you get 75, 80, 90 years on the earth. Uh, I'd say that's pretty worth it. Thank you for that question. Thank you. Hi. So, uh, thank you. <laughs> Swarmy boy here. Um, I had this kind of uh, more introspective question, uh, reflecting on a couple of things you guys have been talking yeah. about. and something that I felt actually quite a bit uh, since I've been in the community, which is um, I'm one of those people that rarely feel shame mm -hmm. or probably didn't grow up feeling shame, yeah. have an unhealthy degree of self-confidence, mm -hmm. uh, so I say. But one thing that is possible, I think that actually is kind of worrisome to me, is that the shame that comes from within the community, mm. whether people call that trolling or... Mm. You know, um, so for instance, even discussing how people should parent. I'm not a parent, so I don't have opinion on it really. But I do believe that, you know, different ways of living are okay. Mm -hmm. And that so for some people who maybe choose to be more out personally, you know, being where I live and all, I, I kind of do choose to be that way. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, I, as my, my auntie likes to say, I tend to resist being afraid when I'm doing nothing wrong. But what about, and so I think it's great, I use that to tell myself that uh, when I get afraid. But what do you think about that for just being open to different opinions, lifestyles, and actually just expressing tolerance toward different views on how we can express this side of ourselves and the way we want to be so that we aren't harming and shaming others who have a different view, especially online where things can get super toxic really quick about anything. I'm sure you guys have experienced that yeah. being podcasters. Thanks. Good, Squirmy Boy. Thank you. Wow. Anybody familiar with the, with the idea of uh, toxic uh, internet? Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so the folks that I meet uh, online that end up fighting each other, when I talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, usually I see eye-to-eye -eye with them, which shouldn't happen, right? If, if, they're in, if they're diametrically opposed at an ethos level, how in the world could I agree with both? Um, and usually it's because um, they both kind of want the same end goal and just may have widely different ideas on what's appropriate and how to get there. Um, so I don't, I don't imagine a community where there is no trolling. And I don't imagine a community where there are no flame wars. I've, I've yet to see any in human history uh, where people don't fight with each other. Where I get encouraged is that I've noticed that most folks uh, in the community believe in things like self-acceptance, self-love, building community, uh, welcoming people who are exploring and new. Now from there, it bifurcates millions of times, right? So somebody may come to you, person, and say, uh, you're doing it wrong. You're ABDLing wrong. You should be ABDLing more like this. And it's easy to look at them and be like, you know what, you're wrong. I'm ABDLing fine, that makes you a bad ABDL. <laughs> but the truth is like, sexuality doesn't work that way. Human expression doesn't work that way. We are insanely complex. And usually what we're saying when we're saying you're doing it wrong, is we're saying I, I, I feel threatened by some part of you. So my hope is, uh, instead of trying to 
correct the other person. The question is, what in you is feeling threatened? Um, and is that something that you could connect with that person on? Do you both feel threatened in some way? Do you both feel threatened in the same way? And when the flame war starts, is it possible that you're both feeling threatened because you're both similarly vulnerable and injured and hurting? And that's okay. Does that make sense? I think it's amazing how often the person that you're fighting with is guarding something you care about. And I've never ever seen anyone in a flame war on the internet in any corner of the internet change their opinion during the course of one of those arguments. <laughs> and so I would say, if it gets out of hand, you just gotta kinda walk away and go, well, I know what I believe and they know what they believe. And it is okay for two people to believe two different things, even though that's very hard to swallow. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't aim for a community that, dis that doesn't disagree. I don't even aim for a community that doesn't vociferously argue. I do hope for a community where we stop mistaking um, opinion for character and where we stop mistaking lifestyle choices for character issues. I think, yeah, thank you for that. But the hardest thing in the world, and I'll tell you, it's true for me too, we are in a very divided period, uh, sort of globally, but the hardest thing in the world is asking what am, what am I defending? Not, not why are they wrong? Um, so we've got about five minutes left. We've got time for one more quick, quick question. Anybody? Hi, my name is Richard, um, Diaper DL on various social medias. Hello, hello. Um, my question kind of relates back to the first one about the pigeon bird cycle. Yeah. In the last year, I've kind of reached out and made lots of friends in the community online through social media. And in that time, I've seen a lot of people go through it. And along with the purge cycle, there tends to be a lot of negative self-image and self-destructive yeah. behaviors. What can I or anybody else who's witnessed this do to help support those people hmm. when they go through that? Hmm. Especially since a lot of them we've never met before. Yeah. So when, when we're seeing somebody else start that cycle of, of self-destruction. Thank you very much for that question. Have you had experience reaching out to somebody who you see sort of spiraling down into shame? Yes. No. That was a good mic check right there. That was a good <laughs> mic check. Um, I, I think the best thing you could do is show them your normal side. You know, your, your vanilla side that you, the more you see that, the more they're going to accept themselves. If you mm. just show them your kink side, I think it's much easier for them to shuffle that away as part of their shame. Where if you say, hey, we're all normal people here. And then you have something to start talking about to humanize the other person. And it's just like, then you go from where you would go at a cocktail party or whatever and just say, hey, how you doing? So you deepen those points of connection. So even when they're going through that shame cycle, they can't just sort of box you off with the ABDL side of themselves. You can still be available to them mm -hmm. as a representative in other parts of their life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I agree with all of that. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that I tend to do, and it's not even just in this community, but if I see someone, let's say on Facebook or something, that's a friend either you know, that I'm really good friends with or just someone that I kind of know, um, if I see them having a hard time, I usually like to reach out and just say, hey man, is everything going okay? Like, is there something you need to talk about? Uh, a lot of times people say no, you know, I'm just going through something and don't really want to talk about it, but I always offer to listen. Um, you know, some people feel that they don't even care if you respond, they just want to get those feelings out. Um, so I've noticed one of the biggest things that I can do just to help someone is listen to what they have to say. 
Um, and once they kind of get everything out, if I have experience with the issue they're having, then I try to give them some advice. You know, it may not be the best advice, but it's from past experiences. It's the only thing I can draw from. Uh, I just, I don't like seeing people struggle. So whenever I see it, I always want to try and help. Yeah, one of the things, mistakes that I've made is um, showing up for them and trying to fix it. And the only reason I call that a mistake is because I don't necessarily have meaningful advice for them. I'm just trying to avoid feeling bad um, because they feel bad and I don't want to, I don't want to feel bad with them. Um, so I'm going to sound like a broken record on this one. But if you, can, if you can get into their space and just allow them to feel shame and feel it with them for a minute, not that you have to feel shameful about yourself, but like kind of recognize that experience that you've had and go, yeah, I get it. Um, if from that place of, of being in connection and even hurting a little bit with them, I think they can start to emerge out of it because it's been seen, it's been recognized, it's been realized, and now you can sort of climb out together. Um, and, and where I've messed it up is when somebody says, I'm feeling shame or I'm starting this cycle of shame, I see them starting, and I'm like, no, you're great, you're wonderful, you're perfect, there's nothing wrong with you, here's a song I wrote about it. And, and they're like, cool, but like you are so far from my experience right now that, it, that, that falls on deaf ears for me. So if you can get in there with them, uh, I think that means the world to them. And I would add, ask them what they need. I think as, as much as we share our kink and as much as we share these experiences of shame and wanting to binge and purge, what they need might not be what I think that they need. And so I've learned over the course of several failures trying to help people um, going through situations that sometimes the best thing to do is just say, what do you need? Mm. And if it's nothing, just know that the line's open and you can ask at any point. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we are about out of time. First off, thank, can we clap for each other? Thank you for 90 minutes and amazing questions. Thank you. Thanks to our panel. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah you can keep clapping for them. And... Uh, and, and for our panelists who had to leave, um, we're going to keep making this podcast as long as you care about it. And um, we are trying to do one a week, but, you know, sometimes we don't do some one for a couple weeks. Um, but in the coming year, we are looking for not only to have uh, more frequency, but also to have more diversity of opinion, diversity of background. We really would love to have more representation. So um, we've been consciously pursuing folks with different viewpoints, people who are LGBTQ, people from different ethnic backgrounds, people who have minority uh, representation uh, in the community. So if you are one of those people, please seek us out. Uh, because uh, if, if you have different abilities uh, as well, because we really want to make sure that the podcast speaks from the community to the community. Oh, and I have another box of diapers to give away. Well, that's cool. Oh, yeah, the AV guys are like, what about me? Yeah. So here's, here's going to be my last ask, and then we'll do the theme is, will anybody come up and tell me why you love your kink? Come up and tell me. Thank you. There you go. Winner of the second Right time. here. Why do you love having an ABDL kink? I just get to be super silly, and you can be embarrassed and still have fun with it. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. Straightforward and perfect. So, Life is short. Have fun and wear cute diapers. That's right. In the meantime, this has been Resonant Yes. And Road Not Taken. For Love and Brief. Ready? Let's do the theme. There it is. Thank you, guys.